Welcome to the Freedom Hut. This is the Best of Buck Daily Podcast. The top stories of the day from the Buck Sexton Show. For more Buck, head to BuckSexton.com. And remember to subscribe to the podcast. Welcome, my friends. Mere days away from the big one. Election Day. What, over 80 million people voting early. Anticipation could not be any higher. I cannot remember an election in my lifetime where there was such uh, such a, a focus on this from so many people in so many quarters. I think in part because we're all stuck more than ever at home. No distractions of big groups and concerts and crowds and things like that. Less sports, less connectivity with each other. So what do we have? This intense focus on our politics. And, and also, the truth is that our politics might end up either freeing us or making us even more uh, locked down and miserable. So that's a big choice that we face right now. And that's something that's going on here. I want to start with uh, the Hunter Biden money laundering allegations, though. This just came out yesterday uh, and a a hat tip to James Rosen over at Sinclair for being the guy that broke this story. He says the FBI... at least FBI sources have confirmed to him that there was in 2019 an open money laundering investigation of Hunter Biden. Now, now this is big for a lot of reasons. And let me first just say that there is zero interest, zero interest in the media in touching any of this. In fact, NBC News has put forward some 60 some odd page disinformation, fake intelligence Thing. They're debunking the fake intelligence. They say no one's even heard of this or seen this before. But their claim is, well, because we found something on the Internet that isn't true about Hunter Biden. Clearly, that means that what you guys all think you have with this verified laptop and the emails and the photos and the on the record sources saying, yeah, that's me. That must be disinformation, too. Yeah. NBC News putting out disinformation to say they're fighting disinformation which is pretty much where we are now with with the journalists in this country in fact journalism is never going to recover from what the journos have done to it that's where we find ourselves doesn't matter who wins this election it's not going to change we see who they are we know what they're doing and this hunter biden situation has broken any any last defense they have of, well, we're we still try to present just the facts. We still try to be honest with people about what's going on and not bring our partisan bias to it. So here's why the money laundering situation is so fascinating. First of all, it makes perfect sense when you see what we already know, that there would be on the on, that there would be on the record sources talking about millions and millions of dollars changing hands with a Chinese company setting up LLCs. What exactly was Hunter Biden supposed to be paid for here? Consulting services? I mean, how different is this really from the Chinese Communist Party saying, we're going to start buying Hunter Biden's finger paintings at a million dollars a pop? Because that's about what Hunter Biden's consulting is worth. So clearly something is up. We've known that all along. This is not the market speaking. This is an influence peddling scheme. And as I have been saying, how is this not illegal? At least someone involved in all of this must have been engaged in quid pro quo corruption. Now, the answer to the question, as you already know, is 
it's not illegal because they won't charge it, or at least they haven't been willing to yet. And that's how the Democrats play the game. The law is just a function of who's in charge and what you can get away with at any point in time. That's what the law is really about. There's no underlying foundational right or wrong. There's no greater goal or greater good. It's who's got the power to get what they want when they want it. But think about this. The United States Congress, with a Democrat majority in the House, of course, on a party line vote, impeached the president of the United States. And then Senate Democrats, plus Mitt Romney, Rhino, uh, voted to remove President Trump from office because he requested a foreign counterpart look into allegations that there was corruption going on with Hunter Biden. They said this was all fake. You remember this? They pushed this whole impeachment narrative by promising the American people, the Democrats, the the journos, the mainstream media, they promised, they assured us there's nothing there. There's no, no corruption whatsoever. He was trying to get the Ukrainian government to manufacture corruption allegations. Here's the problem, friends. That never made any sense. It was always an obvious lie, but now we can prove it. Because what you really have is the president of the United States talking to a foreign counterpart on the phone and asking about something that not only should have been investigated by Ukrainian authorities, but was under investigation already by U.S. federal authorities. Sorry, there's no exemption for Hunter Biden gets to break the law because it would look bad for daddy. It doesn't exist. And yet this information did not come out. I, I will ask you this, and we all know the answer, but it's, it's worth posing the question anyway. What do you think would have happened if Donald Trump Jr. was under federal investigation for money laundering while Donald Trump was running or while Donald Trump was president? Do, do you think that that information would have stayed under wraps? Do you think that would have been kept quiet? No, as we know, there are deep state Democrat and leftists out there who will break their oath to the Constitution to attack this president. They will disclose classified information. They will violate the privacy of American citizens using the intelligence apparatus to do so, as we saw with General Flynn and the leaks that uh, were published in the Washington Post about his phone call. Again, another phone call, nothing wrong with it. He said nothing wrong, and he did not lie. Yet he's still facing prosecution. Yet he's still facing this Kafkaesque nightmare of a judge who won't allow the prosecution to end the case. It's also transparent now, isn't it? It's also very clear. Whatever it takes to defeat Trump. However they have to lie, however they have to change the subject when that's necessary, whatever they have to do to stop President Trump, the mainstream media, the Democrat Party, entirely justifies it. Whatever works. Hunter Biden was under FBI money laundering investigation, and they impeached the president of the United States based upon the premise that he was creating, he was fabricating the possibility that the then vice president's son was going around the world 
collecting millions of dollars for nothing other than a bribe. Let's use the B word, folks. It was a bribe. Get your dad to like us. Get your dad to do what we want. Get your dad to be in our pocket. Here's a million bucks. Here's five million bucks, 10 million, whatever it is. Yeah. Venal, corrupt people, friends. That's who they've offered up to take over for Trump. And remember, the biggest pitch they give you for Joe Biden is you can trust him. He's a good guy. He's an honorable. He's an honorable guy. That's just all a fraud. That's all branding. It's all PR. As I've been telling you all along, Joe Biden's just about Joe Biden. Everything else is a distraction. Everything else is a complete myth. And now we see it with the Hunter Biden uh, FBI investigation. I'm just going to say this. Money laundering, if you get caught doing it, penalties are very severe. And when you're moving money from overseas into newly constituted LLCs and taking consulting fees, and that's all. That's all the kind of stuff that raises red flags when they're doing financial audits, when they're doing a forensic analysis of your financial activity, something I know a bit about from my days working in the counterterrorism beat. When you start looking at bank accounts and money, one of the ways you get people is on their financial crimes. There's a lot of ways that this can go very badly for somebody who happens to come under the eye of the federal government on this issue. And then there's the other possibility, and one that I don't think we'll find out before the election, but it completely, it would add up, wouldn't it? Hunter Biden's under, under investigation for money laundering. You don't think that there's any way that maybe they created a dummy LLC? Just, just a straightforward limited liability corporation for consulting services from China or from Ukraine or wherever. Notice how it's always these countries, too, that are shady and corrupt and have opposition to u.s interests at heart you know it's not he's not doing these consulting agreements with the french you know he's not doing them with canada but if you were going to try to funnel money to the big guy you know what you'd have to do you'd have to create pass-throughs and llcs you'd have to engage in money laundering to hide the source of money to get it to him and if you thought that nobody would ever look into your stuff and that the guy you were passing money to was either going to be the most powerful man in the world or close friend of the most powerful people in the world. You might even engage in a bit of recklessness. You might even have a bit of hubris about what you could get away with. You might even be Hunter Biden. Thanks for listening to the Best of Buck Daily Podcast. Get more from Buck by following him on social media at Buck Sexton on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And don't forget to visit BuckSexton.com. It was a wonderful birthday present for Hillary Clinton to confirm Amy Comey Barrett to the Supreme Court Monday night on her birthday. Oh, I'm sure she was so grateful. Cocaine Mitch letting Hillary know, throwing a brushback pitch to Hillary there, letting her know. That's right. Still not President Hillary. I like when Mitch gets a little feisty. I like when Mitch decides to, to let it rip a bit. Friends, the only, the only way we get justice, the only way we get to a place here where there's accountability for all the lies that have been told in the media is if we win. We won with Amy Coney Barrett, and we need to win both the presidency and the Senate majority. We need to keep it. Or else it's going to be a tough four years. I'm not going to lie to you. It's going to be rough. 
it's not going to go uh, the way it should for this country right now. And it's in part because the elites are entirely unrepentant about any of this. Even Bernie Sanders out there, who's worth a few million dollars himself, he's admitting that, yeah, you know what? The Democrat Party is the party of coastal elites. Play two. You're making a very important point that is not made often enough, to be honest with you. And that is, I think it is fair to say that in many ways, the Democratic Party has become a party of the coastal elites, folks who have a lot of money, upper middle class people who are good people, who believe in social justice in many respects. But I think for many, many years, uh, the Democratic Party has not paid the kind of attention uh, to working class needs that they should have. See, the Democrat Party is controlled by people who don't care about working class people, aren't working class people, and want to do whatever they can to make sure that they don't suffer from any of the social maladies that they inflict on working class people, whether it's through defunding the police or unrestricted illegal immigration or all these different things. Uh, they, they want to make sure that they get to live in very wealthy enclaves, watch CNN or MSNBC at night and think that they're good people because they care so much about the poor people. And they've just convinced the poor people, the people who are low wage or low income or whatever, whatever the preferred nomenclature is of the moment. They want to convince people that are in the struggle. Let's say that with, with say that I say that respectfully, people that are struggling to make it happen, make it all come together. Democrats want to convince them that they care about them really for the benefit of Democrat power and also because the people that run that party like to feel good about themselves. They have no connection. It doesn't matter to them. They don't live in poor neighborhoods. They don't live in high crime areas. But what they've managed to do is convince a substantial portion of uh, the low low income Americans. Remember, most low income Americans are white. Uh, I think that's often left out in discussions about this, but they've cons- uh, they've managed to convince a large portion of low income Americans who are non-white that they must vote against Republicans just because Republicans are racist. That's the real pitch. Republicans don't like you for who you are. A vicious lie. But that is what they've done. The identity politics that they rely on is toxic, but useful for them. Right? And so that's where we continue to be with all of this that's why bernie sanders even recognizes uh you know the wokeness this is going to be this is a self-fulfilling prophecy for the democrat party where no one is going to be acceptable to the inner circle of a democrat party it's going to just keep consuming itself kind of like the soviets and the politburo under stalin you know no one is going to be left-wing enough if they get their way and so they're just going to go through these constant spasms these moments of panic things like the the blm rise this year oh my gosh you know all the left wing oh anything for blm and corporate america everyone bending the knee did that help working class people did blm make any neighborhood safer i mean that's really the the biggest political contribution you could say this year from the democrat party that and terrifying everybody beyond reason about covid19 so blm that's a movement that's supposed to be about helping the oppressed. And it's supposed to be about defending those who can't defend themselves. Very worthy goals, if that's in fact what's going on. Did that happen? No, it didn't happen. What really did occur as a result of BLM? Um, people who were paid a lot of money 
to be in newsrooms or on air-conditioned, comfortable TV sets with lots of lighting and hair and makeup assistance and everything. Talked a lot to other people who can work remotely at home and still get their paychecks and, you know, have, have plenty of money to spend on the fanciest lattes. Uh, to convince them that, you know, they're the good people because they care about BLM. That, that's the whole system. It's all a charade. They didn't do anything in poor neighborhoods, minority, uh, minority, majority neighborhoods that have high crime rates. They didn't do anything for them. It helped them. And in a sense, that's just a microcosm or that's just another piece of, I think, very compelling evidence about what the Democrat Party's become today. While Joe Biden's out there talking about jobs and helping people and all this stuff, going to take more stuff from you give it to some other people make sure they get their votes as a result of that tell people that you know the republicans don't like them because of their ethnicity their race their religion whatever it may be identity politics the you know spreading the the virus of spiteful identity politics which is what democrats do it's also destructive it's really quite ironic that the biden campaign's slogan is build back better because like so many things you see from democrats They're telling you the exact opposite of what the truth will be. No, they're not going to build back better. They're just going to take more from you and give it to other people and then make sure that they get their vote in the process. And that's all that matters. And not even make their lives better. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Best of Buck Daily Podcast. The top stories of the day from the Buck Sexton Show. Hey, let's check in on Bro Cuomo for a while, a.k.a. Fredo over at CNN. A journalist or a commentator? I don't know. We should ask. We should ask CNN media relations that bunch of jerks. Uh, but here, here he is, and I got to tell you, this is getting me kind of excited. Uh, when Cuomo starts talking like this, play clip five. His message is take reality with the pandemic as reality. That's why he's been hesitant out on the hustings. Because it's a weird mixed message. If you bring people into a group where they can get exposed, how are you about recognizing the pandemic? That's why his crowds look like this in Florida today. You got them masked up, their distance, some are sitting in their cars. This is a new era, right? I mean, we know rallies are not a good thing. So it's like the era of the drive-in rally. Now, Trump is literally surreality. It is surreal. If he wins, it is a figurative middle finger to math and to COVID, an acceptance of the is what it is recklessness as this virus continues to wreck us. It is an extended middle finger, but it's mostly to the media, the libs and the Democrats. So he was close. He was close. But I love it to math. Also, uh, where was where was the extended middle finger uh, commentary from Cuomo when there were thousands, hundreds of thousands of people when you add up all the different cities gathering together all summer for BLM protests? Remember that? Oh, but the, but that was important. Yeah, that's delusional. It was destructive and it was based in lies, but important, they tell you. Yeah, that's pretty fun, isn't it? They act like we don't remember this. They really to, to believe the left wing talking points on covid. You just have to not have a memory. That's very important. Uh, you have to forget what you've been told for the last year, what they've been saying and what has been actually happening all around you. Um, that's that's something that you you must do. Uh, for example, I mean, Chris Cuomo continues here with uh, with his version of why people don't want to wear masks. Play six. 
look, vote your conscience. Vote for Biden. Vote for Trump. As long as it's fair and they're counted, works for me. But please don't see defying masks as a, as a way of showing support for Trump. Don't get yourself sick to show a sign of support. And look, the same people who want to come after me for going for runs without a mask. And look, that's fair. That's fair. I don't wear the mask. People should call me out on it. I'm OK with that. But the same people are neglecting to tell you that this president is putting you in jeopardy. That's the true hypocrisy. Now, he doesn't seem to understand here that for a whole lot of us, I don't want to wear a mask because I don't want to wear a blanking mask. That's why. And the reasons are that it is annoying, uncomfortable, and I don't think it does very much to protect me in a whole lot of circumstances where I'm currently required. to. In fact, I know it is pointless in many of the circumstances in which I'm currently required to wear one. So it is a it is a demand of, of subservience to anxiety, control and stupidity out there that has overtaken the public. That's what it's actually not about Trump. I, I, I would not want to wear a mask, even if, by the way, Trump has been saying wear masks. He tells people wear a mask. He's been saying it for months. And I still the only reason I do it is because I don't want to get into fistfights every five minutes trying to go about my life in New York City. If I'm going to be indoors with people who are at high risk and it makes them feel better, fine. Sometimes, yeah, may, because even then a minor uh, benefit of, of limited transmission, I think, could be, you know, and, it, and it's also less of an imposition. The problem is they keep making the imposition more and more. Right. It was it was wear a mask if you're sick and then it was wear a mask. Uh, only indoors for extended period of time. And then do you know how contract uh, contact tracing works? They only ask you because I had to go through this in New York City. They only ask you about people you've been around. This is if you have covid uh, for 15 minutes or more indoors. So if you walk past somebody or if you stand in an elevator with somebody that that doesn't count. So the contact tracers that we were supposed to rely on to. And remember when they talked about how that was necessary to get this under control. Let's talk about math. Yeah, you got a what a, few, a couple thousand contact tracers trying to chase down 50, 100,000 cases a day. Good luck with that. Nobody should have thought that that was a serious plan, but they did think it was a serious plan. See, I, I remember the things that they've told us. And I've also seen how this has been used as a political weapon at every opportunity in ways that are disingenuous and ways that I think also are destructive by pushing the balance here, because yeah, there should be a balance between public health and public freedom by pushing the, the balance entirely in favor of public health at the expense of our most basic freedoms and changing that risk calculation so dramatically. They've also caused a lot of really horrific uh, consequences, downside. The uh, number of people dying from undiagnosed cancer, from drug overdoses, just the way that our public health, mental and physical health has been deteriorating during all of this. And they want to keep this thing going. They think this is great. Fauci thinks this is a good move. You know, the only reason we weren't in this sort of like, you know, every man for himself, uh, you know, do your best attitude from the very beginning of this was because they told us that hospitals were going to be overwhelmed. That was how they got us into this. Oh, now we're going to have the collective like the hive mind determine what you can do, who you can see over Thanksgiving and uh, and, and have this this continuing. OK, 
yay, the cases went down for a bit, but it's only it's not because a lot of people got infected and this is just the way the virus is is transmitting. You know, then the cases come up. Oh, it's because you're not doing enough. You're not doing enough. And then they make us do all these annoying things. And then it keeps spreading. It keeps spreading. But then after a few months, oh, the cases start going on. Well, it's because you finally listened to us. That's why the cases are going down. And then the virus doesn't really spread that much in an area. And everyone's still living with these restrictions. And then all of a sudden it goes up. Oh, you're not. You know, we see how this goes. I remember what they were saying and what they've told us in the past and what they're saying now. And it doesn't add up. But you see. They think that people like me have problems with this stuff as some show of fealty to Trump. I don't give a what about the Trump view on whether I should and the, or the Republican view or anything else about whether I should mask sitting down in a restaurant like as in going to sit down and then sit there and eat for two hours without a mask on. I don't care what anyone that's that's idiotic. I don't care. What, I don't care what Fauci says. I don't care what anyone says. That's the dumbest policy and that is the policy in new york city and i think it's the policy in other places too probably in los angeles where they had the mask up between bites of food you know that's also the kind of mentality that leads us to have people who are supposedly health experts and look the health community and a lot of doctors have looked like complete jackasses throughout this whole thing a lot of them not all of them but a lot of them uh you know wear a mask during um sexual relations now look i mean Whatever you do with, the, you know, the husband or the missus behind closed doors is your own business. But I'm saying you know, wear a surgical mask to protect you from covid while you're doing the horizontal mambo. There are real articles. You can find them where that's actual medical guidance that's out there. We're supposed to think that that's not dumb beyond words. Look, when people get really scared, they do stupid things. They say stupid things and they're very easy to control. And that's what has been happening. And Democrats have liked this. What they really don't want is for you to spend any time thinking about how much they've been wrong in the past, what they used to say, because a normal person who's not in the grip of fear would listen to what they were saying now with, with keeping in mind that they've said stuff before that wasn't, wasn't exactly uh, making a whole lot of sense, was it? Yeah. Um, here you go. We have 14. Play it. Just you and me wearing these masks. Doc, what Dr. Fauci and what Dr. Shuket have said is that could actually sometimes be more harmful to you than not wearing a mask, because if it's not fitted right, you're going to fumble with it. You're going to be touching your face, which is the number one way you're going to get disease is unclean hands touching your face. In terms of wearing a mask, our advice is clear that wearing a mask, if you don't have inf an infection, really reduces the risk almost none, not at all. So we do not advise that. Well, it's important for folks to know that face masks are not recommended for the general public. Uh, there, there are two things people should know. Number one, if you wear a face mask and you're not wearing it properly, you're going to be more likely to touch your face and you can actually increase your risk of getting a respiratory disease like coronavirus or flu. Right now, people should not be walking. There's no reason to be walking around with a mask. When you're in the middle of an outbreak, wearing a mask might make people feel a little bit better and it might even block a, a droplet, but it's not providing the perfect protection that people think that it is. That guy, we are told, you heard Dr. Fauci at the end, has been working against infectious disease and pandemics for, what, the last 40 years? That was what he said earlier this year. Now, 
He looks at you like you're some kind of troglodyte if you don't immediately strap on that mask all the time. I mean, what else do you need to know, folks? But they've convinced themselves because the left politicizes, the Democrats politicize everything. They really think that the opposition to masks is like, yeah, because Trump doesn't like masks. No, because we pay attention and a lot of this stuff is dumb and I don't want to wear a mask. I don't want to be in the gym alone wearing a mask, which is what happens these days. I don't want to be on a treadmill wearing a mask. You know, all you have to do, and this has happened to me a couple of times, I'm like, I'm, I'm going to be honest about it. You have one or two really wet sneezes with one of those surgical masks on. You change your mind on wearing masks all the time real fast. They think it's all about politics. That's because that's how they view everything. I want this to end. If Joe Biden came out and he was like, look, I think everybody should do this for their own safety, but we're not going to mandate this. It's not the government's role. There's not the science to back up taking this position anyway. And we know that as a policy, it just aggravates people, exacerbates divisions, and, and it hasn't worked in Europe. So do whatever you want to protect yourself. But none of this, like, you can't go into this place. If a private business wants to, fine. But that's not what we have. We have government mandates for businesses. No more of that. I'd say, yeah, I like what Biden's saying on masks. That's where I mean, you say, oh, he'd never switch his mind like that. Listen to Fauci. Listen to how he switched his, his, his uh, tune on this one. You know, the mask, maybe it works a little bit. Yes, maybe it works a little bit. Not enough to annoy the crap out of everybody with these stupid mandates and this virtue signaling of masking all the time. If you're in a room with somebody who is shedding this virus and you both have little pieces of cloth on your face and you're breathing in the same, hour, uh, same air for you know, an extended period of time, you're at risk. End of story. So all this stuff, oh, but I'm wearing a mask and I'm... And if you want a respirator, if you want to go around in a hazmat suit and have something that's actually filtering out particles so small that it would include the virus before you can breathe anything in and it's keeping it from being able to get to your. Yeah, sure. But, you know, do you want to live in like a scene from the movie Outbreak for the rest of your life? I don't think so. But I just I'm sorry. I, I just can't help but notice they think that this is like, yeah, MAGA Trump. I'm not wearing a mask. No, it's a dumb idea and I don't want to do it. Because I actually think about things irrespective of what the political party decides. Thanks for listening to the Best of Buck Daily Podcast. For more Buck, head to BuckSexton.com. And remember to subscribe to the podcast. It's the final countdown, the last days before the big day. And we wanted to hear from the campaign just to get updates on what's going on, what they're up to, how the president's going to be making his case here and for that, we've got our friend Steve Cortez in the mix. Steve is a senior strategist for the Trump campaign. He's out there making the case, and he's got his finger on the pulse of just what Trump 2020 is up to. Thank you so much, Steve, for joining. Appreciate it. Hey, you bet, Buck. Happy to be here. So how are we looking, Steve? Give us the give us the real deal. I mean, look, I know you and I both know Trump is, we hope, going to win. Right. OK, skip that for a second. What's happening right now? Yeah, no, listen, let me give you reasons to be hopeful. I'm not just uh, not just sloganeering. Uh, I like our momentum right now. Now, listen, we're taking nothing for granted. I believe all of these swing states are still in play, and it's going to come down to, to game day turnout. And when I say game day, I really mean these, these yeah, I should say game days, because uh, it's through the weekend, really. Um, but here's why I like our momentum. Number one, there's economic momentum in the country. That's really pretty fantastic. Uh, we just continue to get out day after day, just an absolute deluge of data 
all of it pointing to an economic renaissance in this country. This country is surging and roaring back to life economically. It's because of the Trump policies. It's the Trump boom 2.0. And the American people uh, cite in, in all polling, and I have problems with a lot of public polling, but in all polling, far and away, that is the number one issue on voters' minds. It's also where I think we have the most compelling case to make. So that's the affirmative case for Trump. And the and the other reason, by the way, speaking of polling, even though I don't like the numbers uh, that a lot of public polling come up with because I believe that their inputs are wrong and they're skewed against us, I do think that momentum matters in polling. In other words, if it's tightening uh, versus widening, that does matter as long as they're not changing the methodology, right? And if we look at the real clear politics averages of these swing states, all of them are tightening. Um, so those averages still show us losing those swing states. Now, I don't believe we are, but regardless, they show us they show us losing by less. They show these uh, these races tightening. And I think that is accurate. Um, and then the other reason is, quite frankly, the word is getting out about the Biden China pay to play scheme. Uh, this is the biggest story of the campaign. I mean, clearly, this is a bombshell story. The fact that the Biden family, which I really call a cartel, because that's what it operates like, that they have been selling influence and access all over the world for years, but including to the two most dangerous enemies of the United States, Russia and China. Um, and to get really specific, that much is proven, by the way. I mean, that's not supposition, right? It is proven that Hunter was being paid and other family members being paid lavishly by the Chinese Communist Party. Now, what is what is credibly alleged, and I want to be precise with my words, Buckeye, because we can't quite prove it yet. Um, but there, there is very much very credible evidence to, to suspect and to believe that Joe Biden himself was involved in this scam uh, in a dirty money deal with the CCP, that he was personally involved in, in executing it and in the proceeds. Uh, that question has, of course, not been asked of him in any legitimate way other by, than by President Trump. The campaign hardly addresses the issue because they hardly campaign at all. Uh, but and despite the efforts of corporate media doing it's just making a willful decision to ignore the biggest story in the country with a nice assist from big tech suppressing the story the story is getting out um, and it is helping us and we're seeing that in some internal numbers the negatives on joe biden are going up the american people are realizing he's not the nice guy from scranton that the corporate media wants you to believe he's a dirty washington politician who spent 50 years in the swamp and uh, and much of that time screwing over american workers and taking dirty money from communist china we're speaking to steve cortez trump 20 20- 20 campaign advisor, senior advisor for strategy and uh, a former uh, CNN contributor alumni, just like me. So, Steve, yes. we've got that. It's, it's like we've both survived some kind of a war. So we've always got that in common. Um, That's right. Yeah. Cra- crazy place over there, man. It, it just got, kept getting crazier, too. But we'll have that conversation another day. Steve, uh, let's talk about the uh, the Hispanic vote in this. Sure. Um, there have been some reports, news reports that uh, Hispanic voters, there's there's two dynamics playing out. One, they're not showing up for Biden in places like uh, southern Florida, Miami-Dade County, as much as had been hoped. And two, some of them may be breaking for Trump in larger numbers than had been anticipated. What can you tell us about that? Yes, listen, no, that is absolutely happening. Correct on both counts. Um, and by the way, again, I don't love public polling, but just to cite some, the latest Fox News national poll, and, and I'm not sure picking a good poll because that poll didn't make us look good. But within that poll, the Hispanic number was pretty outstanding. They showed 42 percent nationally among Hispanics. Uh, we believe we're doing slightly better than that. And we think we're going to have a shot at actually winning the Hispanic vote, but certainly north of 40 in our view. We're not, again, we're not being cocky about it. We've got to earn those votes all the way to the finish line. But a couple things are going on. Number one is Hispanics are, are statistically uh, the most entrepreneurial demographic in America. 
we, we love to start up new businesses, mom and pop operations that we hope become bigger than that. And this president has been amazing for entrepreneurs, particularly when it comes to deregulation. Tax cuts were key, but I think for entrepreneurs, it's the regulatory relief that is really the, the jet fuel for entrepreneurial zeal in this country. And Hispanics know that. They know what was happening during the first three years before the China virus, and they know what's happening again right now in this country. I'll give you one other quick stat that I think is related. Pickup truck sales just hit an all-time high in the month of September, which is pretty astounding uh, when you consider you know, that just five months ago this country was locked down, right? So the fact that we're back up, we've, we've reclaimed the pandemic losses in truck sales and surged to a new high in pickup trucks is amazing. And the reason I'm connecting that to Hispanics is uh, pickup trucks are used for work. They're used for the trades. A lot of Hispanics work in those kinds of businesses, construction, landscaping, um, all those sorts of things. People who work with their minds and their hands. Uh, the people Hillary Clinton uh, decries as the deplorable. So the Hispanic uh, population, particularly Hispanic men, are really rallying to President Trump. And then specific to Florida, you know, as you mentioned, Dade County, Florida's Hispanics are different in that so many of them come from Venezuela and Cuba, uh, that they are keenly aware of the dangers of socialism, right? Because the, either they or their ancestors fled from those brutal regimes in Venezuela and Cuba. Uh, and when the when the 2020 Democratic Party lurches to the left and starts to dance with socialists like Bernie Sanders and AOC, uh, that may be very pleasing in faculty lounges and cafes in Brooklyn. But it's not cool in South Florida. It is not okay with Venezuelans and uh, with Americans of Venezuelan and Cuban descent down there. So I think they have really hurt themselves with that community and we're benefiting. Speaking of Steve Cortez, Trump 2020 campaign senior advisor for strategy. So, Steve, there's only a few days left here. What is I look, I know the president's he's just he's going all out. You know, he's at that point in the race where he's the legs are kicking and he's giving it all he's got, as is everybody else who's a part of his campaign team, yourself included. If he's going to focus in, though, on one or two things in those swing states where based on what we've seen so far, based on what the data is telling the campaign, he could still he could still move the needle. What is it? Yeah, listen, I think it's the economy. And to get even more specific than broad economy, I would say income. And I've spoken to the president about this, and he's armed with some statistics uh, on the you, – you can break down the Bureau of Labor Statistics uh, – when they do their monthly payroll reports, most people obviously just focus on the national, but they break it down actually all the way to metro area. So let me give you a specific example. Today, he's going to Rochester, Minnesota. Uh, Rochester, Minnesota, the the income gains there as of the September report are year over year, 13% average wage gains in Rochester, Minnesota. That's pretty incredible when you consider that this most of this year has been marred by COVID, right? And that's a tough comparison because you're comparing to September of 2019. It's year over year. The economy was humming last fall, right? And nobody had even heard of the China virus yet. So it's a tough comp. Not only are we beating it, but we're beating it by double digits. I mean, that's real money in people's pockets. That's hundreds of extra dollars every single week for working class folks uh, that they have gained in the last year. The more I think the president points that out and points out that that is all at risk if you elect Joe Biden. He's going to inflict the largest tax hike in American history uh, by, a, by a mile on this country. He would also take us black back to a place of economic submission to China. And again, in Minnesota, Minnesota, according to the economic Economic Policy Institute, which is a left-leaning think tank, Minnesota lost 88,000 manufacturing jobs to China once they entered the WTO in 2001. Uh, Joe Biden was a principal architect of those terrible trade deals that allowed China to abuse our American workers, including in Minnesota. So I think we make that kind of granular case as he's barnstorming the country. This is what you have gained. This is what's at risk. Uh, I think it's compelling, and I think that will get people to the polls. Steve, if you had to tell us one place where you think if I'm putting you on the spot here, but don't worry, we're only we'll only this is what we do. We'll only bring it up again if you're right. 
But if there's okay. one place where you think people could be a little surprised, not necessarily just that Trump wins, but by the margin of victory that, you know, if you're is, is there one area where you think we could get sure. a surprise that defies expectations? I'm sorry. One no, state. I, I mean, to, I'm happy to put myself out there. I get, I'm going to stick with Minnesota. I, I think not only going to win Minnesota. I think we're going to win it handily. Minnesota has not been won by a Republican since 1972. That's the year I was born, and I'm not a young man, Buck. Uh, by the way, that was also the year that Joe Biden was elected in the Senate. Think about that. I mean, I'm a middle-aged guy. He was elected when I was in diapers in 1972. But anyway, I, I believe we're going to win Minnesota. And let me give you a couple of reasons why. Uh, one is Ilhan Omar. Uh, I can't tell you how despised she is in, the, in that entire state outside of her district. Um, and she has been really useful for us to point out just how radical left the 2020 Democratic Party is to convince Minnesotans that this is not your parents, your grandparents, Democratic Party. This is not the Walter Mondale party. This is a very it's Ilhan Omar's party. They are driving the bus as far as policy. And then the second thing, I mean, it's tragic, but it's the reality. It's just the riots. The riots in Minneapolis were so terrible. They caused so much damage uh, in this country and really, frankly, scared, legitimately scared, rightfully scared a lot of people, particularly Minnesotans. So I think those two factors, in addition to the affirmative case that we're making on the economy, tell me that we're going to make history in Minnesota. And I, and I don't think we're going to just eke it out. I think we're going to we're going to win. That's a bold prediction, Steve Cortez. We like we like that stuff, though, here. Thanks so much for joining me. And Steve Cortez, uh, senior advisor for the Trump campaign, everybody. Steve, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Buck. This is the Best of Buck Daily Podcast. The top stories of the day from the Buck Sexton Show. For more Buck, head to BuckSexton.com. And remember to subscribe to the podcast. But we are ready. I feel very confident that Joe Biden will be elected president on Tuesday, whatever the end count is. But on the election that occurs on Tuesday, he will be elected on January 20th. He will be inaugurated president of the United States. So while we don't want to be overconfident or assume anything, we have to be ready for how we are going to go down a different path. What the heck does that mean? He's going to be elected no matter what the fine. Hey, he'll be elected. Doesn't matter if he wins. He will win. He'll be elected no matter what the final vote counters. Did you catch that? It kind of got lost there in a big old Chardonnay glass with Nancy. Uh, what was that? No matter what the final vote tally is, he'll be the pre- Joe Biden will be the president. You imagine if Trump said that it would be its own news cycle for 24 hours uh, or if anyone who supported Trump said that. But that's uh, that's where things are the, uh, these days, friends. Um, and. You know, they're boarding up stores right now in D.C. as we speak. That's how much Democrats care about democracy. I just want to know, is this a little bit like. The sports team fans who will riot and light cars on fire when their team wins and when their team loses i mean do democrats riot no matter what after this election i'm I'm thinking probably and the bigger point for me is okay uh why is that okay why is it normal for us to just assume and, and everyone does assume that there'll be biden voters people of the left whether Antifa, which, as I say, is, I believe, a mental illness, um, Antifa or BLM activists or whatever the radicals are calling themselves in that moment, they're going to destroy stuff in a place like D.C. If stores are going to be looted, it's not going to be anybody wearing MAGA hats. Why is it that Trump supporters are just more lawful, more law abiding in their uh, in their public actions? I mean, I, I'm asking that question rhetorically. I, I could go into 
I think details about why that is. I think the left is the party of the mob. I think they believe in moral relativism and me, me, me and emotion over reason. And there's a lot, but we just accept it. And they act like that's not something we should point out. We shouldn't stand back and say, hold on a second. They're boarding up stores in preparation for the election in case Trump wins. And then we know there's going to be violence and mayhem in the streets. Hmm. But vote for that party. Vote for the party that seems so comfortable with the lunatics who are entirely within its confines. That everybody just goes, eh, I guess there's going to be some rioting if Trump wins. You know, what can you do? It's the price of democracy. Hmm. I disagree. Um, But this brings us to our recurring conclusion here, which is that the left has absolutely and completely lost its mind. They are nuts, right? The, the far left, the Democrat Party in particular, is just, compl- is just bonkers. Simply and utterly bonkers. And they're not going to rein them in, so what happens in a Biden presidency? Well, I think we all know. It becomes the stealth AOC left wing of the party presidency with Joe Biden mouthing the usual pablum, you know, putting out the usual nincompoopery about, oh, we're going to build a million jobs and we're going to do this other thing. And, you know, no joke, man, period. No joke. Yeah, it's going to be a really inspiring presidency. So that's what we're facing. And you also will have the prospect of the same media apparatus, the apparatchiks of the MSM, that have made it, I mean, it is beyond any, not even a reason, it's beyond an unreasonable doubt that they're Democrat partisans. We couldn't have any more proof at this point. It it, it couldn't be any more clear. They've shown us. I mean, they've effectively signed sworn declarations. We are, you know, CNN should be DNCNN, right? I mean, these places are completely in the tank for Democrats, actively working toward their reelection. They should be paid employees of the Biden campaign at the New York Times, at CNN. These are places that should just be honest about what they're doing, but they won't do that. They won't do that because they still like to pretend, even though nobody who's intelligent and informed believes these places are honest anymore. There's a a weird joy that the left wing Democrat audience gets over what from watching news organizations that are just feeding them what they want all the time and telling them that it's neutral. See, I, I watch the neutral stuff over at MSNBC. I, I watch the real journalism on ABC News. These places are all jokes. And I think the Internet would have already broken many of these institutions if they could not count on the assistance of the tech giants, too. It's unfortunate. I mean, really, conservatives, I wish... I wish we would understand the game that we're in here. I wish we'd understand that we've got to start controlling institutions, too. Any institution that is not controlled by uh, conservative interests who will at least keep it fair will be far left. That's because they purge, because like all authoritarians and totalitarians, they can't abide other thoughts. Oh, what's the latest example of this? Glenn Greenwald who is a left-wing guy. And I don't mean a little bit. I mean, Glenn Greenwald, you have never heard somebody say so many uh, favorable things about 
Palestinian radical terrorism who's a mainstream journalist, as you will, Glenn Greenwald. Right? I mean, this guy, he's a man of the left. There's no question about it. And you do get the sense that he kind of hates the U.S. federal government as a general proposition. That said, he does do what he says he will do, which is chase down stories that are of interest and print them regardless of which party will be affected. Now, I'm not saying he does a perfect balance, but I don't think anybody could do a perfect balance. He's still a man of the left, but he will write things and he will say things that libs do not want to hear. It, it should be noted that there are there are journalists on the left, Glenn Greenwald, Matt Taibbi. You know, there are a handful of them who disagree. They disagree with you and me on almost everything. I mean, 95 percent of stuff, maybe more. But they were willing to just look at the insanity of the Russia collusion farce and say, guys, there's no there there. We got nothing here. There's no evidence for this. It's just relying on a lot of innuendo from Democrats working in the federal government as nonpartisan intelligence professionals to then journalists who quote each other about the nonpartisan anonymous sources that are leaking them information when they never even see the information and they don't know. There's no verification. And the whole Russia collusion thing was the self-immolation of journalism in America. And a couple of people on the left, Greenwald was one of them, were, were willing to say that. They were willing to be honest about it. And for that, they should be commended. Credit where it is due, as you know. One of my mantras here on the show. They deserve, they deserve the, you know, the high five for that. Well, uh, Greenwald founded this far-left publication called The Intercept. And they've published some very nasty stuff. And, you know, I, I think that I have a slightly different take on this whole thing than everybody else, and I'll get into that in a minute. Uh, a variation, not not a, a, a overwhelmingly different takeaway, but a, a variation on it. It turns out that when Greenwald wanted to print something recently at The Intercept, which he is a founder of, and which was funded by a left-wing billionaire named Pierre Omidyar, who founded eBay, it turned out that when he was doing this, Right when he was uh, trying to write an editorial the last uh, last week or two on uh, Joe Biden and the Hunter Biden, it was really about the Hunter Biden emails. The people that are the managing editors at the Intercept, this far left publication that's supposed to be unafraid, straight journalism, truth to power stuff—that's the mission of the organization. Well, what what Greenwald found out is that that's a fraud, and that that's not welcome on the left. And he had these uh, these editors. Remember, he's the founder of the publication. This would be like someone coming on the Buck Sexton show and telling me what I can talk about on radio. Like, that's not going to fly. He's the founder, but he's being told by his editors, you can't write that. And he's published the exchanges and it couldn't be any more clear. The rationalizations, the you know, the it, 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 what you see are people who are like, you can't write that because that'll hurt Joe and we need Joe to win. That's it. And this gives you a window into the mentality that exists at every media publication that is about news in the country that is not identified as at least right of center. Every single and there aren't that many right of center publications. Every single news publication in the country that is not right of center has that same mentality. Every single one of them without fail. There are people, if not everybody, the, the majority, the decision makers 
will shut down a story because it hurts Joe. Yeah. Because they're all doing one thing and one thing only, trying to get this guy elected. And they view that as their purpose. Because think about how much value there really is in what many of these news organizations do. I'm just going to take you in a little bit of inside baseball here for a second. A lot of them do just aggregation. They do reprints of AP stories. They change the headline. They throw a couple of photos up and they share it out on social media. Their real value add is in editorial and in commentary. That's the truth of most news media organizations these days. But they're not honest about that because then they're just competing with other people. And it's, well, who's a better polemicist? And they have to be held to account for what they write as opinions instead of, oh, I'm just reporting, man. I'm just doing my reporting. But it's not true. What I think is so interesting here for, from the perspective of, of Greenwald, who's now left, he resigned from the publication he founded because of the groupthink and the willingness to prostrate themselves on the left entirely for the support of Joe Biden. Well, he should be commended for that. But I also would note, you know, the, the left is where this is happening. This does not happen on the right in this way. And there's a reason for that. Because the left wing of American politics has embraced an authoritarian view. And they've been taught to weaponize institutions and government as just instruments of raw power without any good faith or without any sense of shared principle with the other side. They have been going scorched earth for a long time, and that's the only thing they know how to do now. They don't know how to have a conversation in between two sides that both have valid points of view. They only have, you stop because your words are like violence. You can't say that. That's sexist. That's racist. That's fill in the blank. Is it? Well, I mean, do we ever get to, is it a fact? Is it true? Is it an opinion? Is it policy? You know, no. It's sexist. It's xenophobic. Hmm. That's all. That's all that it comes down to now. Name, name calling and deplatforming and doxing and punishing ideological opponents. This leads to bad outcomes. When, when you see the nature of the, the individuals and the ideas at the heart of, say, the French Revolution, it's not surprising that about fifteen to 20,000 people were taken to the guillotine, a vast majority of whom did nothing to anyone, right? It's not surprising. When you see, when you understand the nature and character of the people and the ideas at the heart of the Soviet Revolution, the Bolshevik Revolution, that led to the Soviet Union. There's nothing, nothing surprising about that. And when you see what the left wing of American politics has turned into today, just this, this, uh, this vicious, preening, you know, idiocy brigade, it's not surprising at all. And so there's a part of me that says, well, good for Greenwald for walking away from, what he, from the fact that the place is a fraud, but also, maybe there's some lesson to be taken here about how if you're going to be a left-wing journalist, you're going to be surrounded with frauds all the time. Because that is actually the culture of the left now. It's not an exception, it's the rule. Maybe there's a little bit more that one should look into here. And also, the ideas that all those people hold, problematic. 